Before today's episode, I'd like to talk to you about the Vigit app. Vigit is a sports betting app that is completely free to play. Place coins on games in order to collect enough to win prizes. The Vigit app allows you to play against your friends in an easy-to-use format that is exciting for all sports fans. Download the app today and use code It's Just Money for a thousand free coins. And the password to our betting league is Win three nine three. That's Win three nine three, and that will let you join our fantasy betting league. It is the app that makes it easy to pick and share opinions without wagering real money. But you must be eighteen or older to play. Now let's get after it. I never ask my clients to judge me on my winners. I ask them to judge me on my losers because I have so few. I won't change my mind on anything, regardless of the facts that are set out before me. And that's all there is to it. Just another fat fuck walking out of the casino with a suitcase. All right, we're back. It's Monday, early episode. It's Just Money podcast presented by Vigit. Uh, we had a good weekend, or mostly in the week. Bowl games are on weekdays. It's really weird bowl season. Uh, we'll recap that, and then we'll dive in. Yeah, for sure. So within the last six days, I'm 6-0. and That feels pretty good. Hard Rock's not liking me right now. But um, NBA, college basketball, college football, all sprinkled into one. Feeling pretty good. Bowl season's about to go nuts, though. I mean, there's a lot of games on the slate for this week we are very excited for. Uh, yeah, 2-0 on Christmas Day with my NBA slate. Uh, and then, if you guys have been paying attention to our Twitter account, uh, I've had skin on every single bowl game this year, and I'm going to continue to do so until the national championship is played. I'm 6-4, and four, four of my last five. I've won, should have won five in a row. Talked myself out of uh, Georgia State. Bad pick by the crew on Western Kentucky. And then, uh, yeah, me and Reese set up a good old DraftKings account that we're that we're having a lot of fun with. Damn so right we did. Pretty great, pretty good week. Reese, introduce yourself. Uh, the long lost roommate that has been out of touch with gambling for so long, but these guys look like they have too much damn fun doing it. And uh, mom and dad gave me a little scratch for uh, Christmas, and I thought, what better way to disappoint them than go make my own <laughs> DraftKings account? So food. Betting. Food, what's what's more important? important. What's more important. important? I can pay responsible for food. That's a great story. I can pay for food with money I went from gambling. That's what I'm gonna Responsible tell you. gambling. Responsible yeah. gambling. We don't gamble, we bet. We win. That's a fact. We do not gamble, we, we bet, bet on this podcast. Uh our weekend my weekend or weekday or whatever it was. Last seven uh, days. Went well. Yeah, the last seven days went well. Uh it was, I was three and four. It should have been three and three. I still would have been up money, however, I put more money on Memphis and Buffalo than I did other games. Uh, the Titans did not pan out last night. That was a drubbing. Uh, never bet on the Packers at home in the snow. That's just that's just a rule to follow. Uh, before we dive in, let's talk about our new segments. We're going to have the Hoops Hot segment, a hot hoops team in the NBA or the NCAA. Uh, we'll pick you a team that's been rolling the spread. Uh, you can hop on them with us. And then we're also going to introduce a new segment at the end do, doing quick picks with the full college football slate. Uh, but with... Without further ado, Snyder Stats live with the gang. Let's go into the Alamo Bowl, Colorado and Texas. Texas, seven and a half point favorites. Colorado's plus 240 on the money line, and the total is 64. Shave. Oh, why are you going to me? Oh, yeah. This is a an old Big 12 game, so uh, I'm really excited. However, he sounds excited. I am. I really am. I don't, like know what, <laughs> don't know what to think, though. Uh, Texas has a lot of guys opted out. Will this be Sam Ellinger's last game as a Longhorn? I think he'll be back because he just loves that university too much. But 
I don't know. You, we last week or two weeks ago, they were playing Kansas State. I think we were talking about it. We're like, man, that line keeps going down. It's like seven. I don't know. Maybe Texas won't show up to play after losing to Iowa State. This is kind of the same scenario. It was at 12 and a half, now at nine and a half. Which Texas team are we going to get tomorrow? I don't think Colorado's very good. Uh, they kind of proved that against Utah, uh, kind of getting smacked there in a game to send them to the conference championship. I don't know. I think I'm going to play the Longhorns. Uh, I think I'm just going to stick with the nine. I think hopefully Tom Herman's going to get him going. They're always usually good in bowl games. And if this is Sam Ellinger's last game, he will go balls to the walls for a blowout for Texas. Yeah, you know, I, I don't want to talk about this game too much just because I'm not crazy on it, but we do have another guest for you guys this week. So uh, big Colorado guy. We're going to let him touch on that a little bit. That'll be later. But this game, I'm leaning Colorado, but I can see both sides. Um, interesting spot here with the old Big 12 look, but I'm just not crazy about this game at the moment. I don't know if I can be swayed to even play it, but it's, I'm excited for it. I mean, Colorado's had a season in their five, six games they've played that has been better than what people thought, and Texas has had kind of maybe a little bit below what everybody thought. So definitely excited to see it, though. Before I give my pick, Snyder Stats, do you have anything for me? Uh, only thing I really found too intriguing about this game that points to a team, uh, Texas is seven one against the spread in the last eight meetings between these two teams. Um, that's not, it. That's all I need to hear. Don't it. say anything more. That's about it. Texas seven and a half. I like it. Look for them to come out hot with a little chip on their shoulder. They've lost a couple of big games this year, but I think they'd like to finish out with a win, as what everybody else would like to see if they're betting Texas. Uh, so I'm going to take Texas seven and a half. I, I really like that bet. Colorado, tough loss to Utah, which I do not think they are very good. Um, so I'm going to roll with Texas. Okay, let's go to the Cotton Bowl. Florida and OU, the Big 12 champion against the SEC runner-up. Florida rolls in 8-3, and 5-5-1 five, against the spread. <coughs> OU is 8-2 and 7-3 and and against the spread. OU is a three-point favorite. Florida is plus 130 on the money line, and the over-under is 70. Yeah, for sure. So I, I'm not probably going to play a spread in this game. I think I'm going to play an over. Um, you know, Florida possesses the ninth-ranked offense in the country and the 64th-best defense, and we already know what Oklahoma can do on offense. So I think Kyle Trask is something that maybe Oklahoma hasn't seen this year. You've seen what he can do against pretty much everybody in the SEC. Oklahoma, not a bad defense, though. No, they they're not a bad defense, but they just – They did, but they didn't play – I mean, they didn't play uh, a good enough know, offense, yeah. JP. Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, I mean, they're not Florida. <laughs> I mean, it's not. Iowa State's offense isn't Florida. I don't care who you have in the backfield or behind center. It's not going to matter when you have a Florida team compared to an Iowa State team on offense. So, and I mean, Florida put up points against Alabama, arguably one of the top five defenses in the land. So, I like the over. I think this is kind of one of those games that's like, don't overthink it. Just play an over, watch for a great game. I get Oklahoma's played great defense, they're ranked 20th, I believe, in the country. And I just don't see that as a situation where this is going to be low scoring, grind them out. I think this is going to be a lot of scoring and a lot of fun to watch. Kyle Pitts has opted out. He's arguably, he's definitely a first round draft pick, arguably a top 15. They said he's like a nine out of 10 as far as tight ends grading goes. That's Trask's main target. Without him, they're going to struggle. Kadarius Toney, uh, he's kind of like a mini Tyreek Hill. He's very explosive, but on that Florida offense, Oklahoma's going to focus to shut him down without having to worry about pits. This is where I see them struggling offensively, even though they've been so dominant offensively this entire year, like we touched on earlier. I think Oklahoma's defense is very good. I think this is the hottest team in the country. They've won eight in a row since losing the first two games. 
Ronnie Perkins in that defensive line is very, very good. They have been a completely different team, a completely different defense since he has been back. Stevenson, the running back, he's been back the last couple of games. You can tell he's the difference maker, even from that Iowa State game the first time they played. And then we have Spencer Rattler. He's had a great season. He's a game manager his freshman year. He's going to have Heisman talent in the years to come, but he's finally figuring it out. I think this is actually going to be a low-scoring game, and I'm going to play Oklahoma's money line. So, I like the over here as well. I'm with JP. Uh, I think Florida still puts up points. You're a Heisman contender for a reason. I don't think it's solely based on one target. I'm not saying Schaefer said that, but I think Florida has other weapons. They can put up points. Their defense was exposed, obviously, against LSU, giving up the amount of points that they did and at other points in the season. Alabama, it's kind of a different rule there because that team's on another level. But I still think OU puts up a ton. Florida answers back here and there, and this over hits fairly easily. I probably see a mid-50s game to low-mid-30s, low maybe low-40s. Uh, so I like a high-scoring game here. I hope I see that. I love watching high-scoring games, uh, and I love the Cotton Bowl. So uh, we'll be tuning into that, and I like the over shape. What was your final pick? You I like picked it? Oklahoma Moneyline. Oklahoma Oklahoma Moneyline. What's, that? What's that line? The, uh, yeah, minus three right now is the money line. I don't know it. Moving. Also, just a one little tidbit, they're playing in Jerry's World. This will be a home game for Oklahoma. Just to very good point. They just played there. Who, yeah. Who'd they play? Uh, yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Witness it firsthand. Tough scene. I, I would know. All right, let's jump. Let's jump to New Year's Day. Let's go to a 2021 game. Let's go to the Peach Bowl. Cincinnati and Georgia. Cincinnati rolls in 9-0 and and 5-4 and against the spread. Georgia is 7-2 and and 4-5 and against the spread. Cincinnati is a 7-point dog. And they're plus 220 on the money line, and the over-under is 51. Yeah, this is kind of a game everybody's got circled for the simple reason they want to know if Cincinnati is a real deal, right? Uh, well, you picked a Georgia team to play that has a quarterback that has kind of brought that offense back to life. Um, Desmond Ritter is going to have to have another great game. That Florida, or not Florida, excuse me, whoa. That Georgia defense is still pretty good. But he's lagging. Um, <laughs> Cincinnati's got a solid defense as well, but the thing is if JT Daniels can do um, – some really nice things through the air. They might have a problem with keeping them on the field and might have their defense exposed a little too long. Um, but I'd like the seven. I like the seven with Cincinnati. I think the plus seven is a good play here. I think you can definitely get a low scoring game in this situation with two good defenses, but I think seven's a little much to give this team in this situation that has a lot to prove, right? I mean, Tulsa was a good defense, handled them uh, in the American Championship, and Georgia has things to prove too, but I don't think they have as much. Um, you know, get up behind them and momentum. So I like Cincinnati in the seven. Yeah, I mean, ever since JT Daniels has been under center for Georgia, I feel like that's kind of been the difference maker. Uh, you could really tell in that second half versus the Missouri game, I watched firsthand, the kid lit up Missouri's defense. Not saying Missouri's defense is very good. Cincinnati's is much better. Uh, but Pickens, George Pickens at 126 yards in that game. Him, along with that other receiving core that Georgia has, I think Georgia's just got too many athletes on the field. I like Desmond Ritter. I respect him. I respect the Cincinnati team. But the fact of the matter is, Georgia just has more athletes. But if you're going to play it also, look for an under. Both teams rank top 20 in scoring defense. But I'm going to play Georgia minus 7 here. I think that JB kind of said that they don't have as much motivation I feel like Georgia really needs this win, and they need a blowout win to go into next year, really as the front runner to maybe compete with Alabama for the king of SEC. So, I'm going to roll with Cincy plus seven, uh, just because I think the want to be there is going to be far 
far more than Georgia. Um, Georgia's used to being in a bowl game like this. They're a great program. Cincinnati wants to show out here. Look for Desmond Ritter to have a day. Uh, it's a good defense. However, Desmond Ritter is a different player. That defense is different than Cincinnati. That is debatably one of the best group of five teams that you're going to see in however many years. Uh, this team's I, up there with that UCF team. I think they're that good. I yes. think I think they might be better than that UCF team. Hot take of the day. I, obviously, you don't have as much to go off of, but I really do think they're more talented in a couple spots, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Desmond Ritter is the closest we've gotten to a Mackenzie Milton mm-hmm. that, on that team. By the way, congrats since. to that kid. He's getting ready to play again. He transferred... Um, the Florida congrats State. Congrats are good yeah, luck. No, He's no got congrats. Florida State's going to get killed. No, congrats. I mean, he gets to play again after that horrific injury. Congrats to that kid. Here. I love Mackenzie Milton. No, I rest the best for him, but I'm just saying. That, Schaefer that, hates that, the kid. That Florida State <laughs> offensive line's going to oh, get him killed. I'm sorry. You can say congrats to the guy that had a devastating injury. Wasn't sure if he was going to freaking walk again. All right. Dick anyway, of the podcast well, goes Cincy plus seven. Cincy uh, plus seven. That's the move. No, no, don't. don't. All right, no, tell so, me. Give him the boys are split. I like Schaefer's minus seven here. Georgia's got the 14th-ranked defense, the number one rush defense in the country. Cincinnati averages 225 yards on the ground. Georgia only gives up 70 yards on the ground. Something's got to give, Reese Something's got to give. Uh, I don't yeah, I'm just Thanks, saying, I'm saying Georgia's 6-1 and one against the spread in the last, last seven bowl games. 6-2. and, six and uh, two. <laughs> since Cincinnati, the best uh, defense that they played is uh, 25th Tulsa. Tulsa. They played the 125th-ranked defense, UCF. 103rd ranked defense, ECU, 59th Houston, love, 90th Memphis, and 79th SMU. I love Tulsa. Not but a lot of very good defense. Listen, Georgia ain't, or Tulsa ain't Georgia. Listen, it's not like I'm Georgia. Just, I'm basing this off of Cincinnati wants to come out here. This is the biggest game that program will play probably for the next here, 10 Here's years. what I need. Just my pick. Cincinnati needs to win for the group of fives respect. Just saying. Although the group of fives arguably had the best bowl game to date. That we've seen in a no, lot. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying it was I'm not saying it was a good game. This is talent-wise. Will you you want some uh, something to back you up? Whether you should extend this playoff or get a group of exactly. five to have a chance, you need to win games like this. Yeah. And yeah. it's been hap- it's happened. We need it to happen again, and maybe another time after this. Yeah. But something to hit on with that Georgia offense, I get has been playing better. But I, here's the teams that they've played as JT Daniels has come back: Mississippi State, which has a good defense. I'll give him that one. That's a solid one. South Carolina and Missouri. Missouri's, I think, better no. than South, Mississippi State. Okay, not on defense. Missouri lost to Vanderbilt? Not on defense. But the deal is simply this. He's going to play the best defense he's seen as a quarterback at Georgia. That's a big thing for me, and I think the seven is a little too much. I don't think they're going to get blown out. I think this could be a three, four, five-point game. I think it's going to come down to the fourth quarter with a couple minutes left. That's my two cents. Okay, that's the Peach Bowl. That's a lot of info. Uh Tail me and JP with Cincinnati, or go with Reese and Shafe on Georgia, your pick. Let's jump to the Fiesta Bowl, however. Iowa State, Oregon, the Pac-12 champion and the Big 12 runner-up. 8-3 Iowa State, and they are 6-5 against the spread. Oregon is 4-2 and 3-3 and and against the spread. Oregon is a 4.5-point dog, and they are plus 170 on the money line, and the total is 57.5. We'll let Schaefer give his fan input first, and then we'll give you a pick. Man, I've been so focused on every other game. I I haven't even really looked into this too much. This is a big game for Iowa State. I know I got heckled um, by Cam and JP for saying that the Oklahoma game wasn't that big of a deal. Well, here's the situation. This game is a bigger deal for Iowa State's program moving into the future than the Big 12 championship was. 
to say that we could win our first New Year's Six Bowl, to say that we could move in into a top 10 team if we win this game next year. This game has a lot more implications on next season and the program moving forward than that Big 12 game did. So I think Iowa State is going to come out with a lot of fire, with sour taste in their mouth after losing to Hold on, let's debate this point. I would argue that a winning a Big 12 title would have done more for the program than winning the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. How do you how do you sell I, a New Year's Six win versus a I conference title ring? Iowa State is going to be in a New Year's Six bowl no matter the res- obviously no matter the result of that game. I, they were going to be in a New Year's Six bowl. Exactly. Then you can move on, but you sell conference titles, not New Year's Six wins. You can sell them both. One holds a little more well. These guys. Yeah, I think the championship was what mattered there. But anyway, let's get your take on the game. I agree it's an important game for Iowa State. What do you think happens from a fan's perspective, not I mean, betting on the game? You look at both teams and who they've lost to. Yes, Iowa State lost to a Louisiana, but I can tell you Louisiana is a hell of a lot better than Cal and Oregon State. We also lost to a good Oklahoma State team that was healthy at the time, and then we just lost to a hot Oklahoma team. This Oregon team has lost to Oregon State, which I watched that game, and then the Cal game. Cal's horrible. Oregon State's horrible. I don't know. I think that USC's overrated. We've always talked about JP loves to talk about USC's overrated. They They somehow got into that game and they beat them, which is fine. They want to win this game to move into hot, be in hot next year. But I don't really see Oregon's motivation in this game, to being completely honest. I think it's the doubter thing. It's I think it's people don't think they should be here. People don't think they should have won last week. Um, but I don't, I don't think I could play the Ducks in this, and I don't think I'll play it at all with a line at four and a half because I don't know if it's going to be, you know, a seven, ten point game. I think it's going to be around that four, and I, but I don't feel comfortable laying Oregon. Um, obviously, Brock Purdy had, you know, kind of not a bad game, but he didn't play his best against Oklahoma. He's going to see, he picked, yeah, it up. he did for sure, and he's going to play a better, or he played a better defense that week than he's going to play this week. Um, offensively, I think Oregon's not as explosive. But I think the difference here is they don't see each other much. So maybe the fact that Iowa State doesn't know how to scheme them as well. They haven't seen them as many times, you know. Seeing Oklahoma twice is one thing. But an Oregon team, you have probably – I don't know if you, they've ever met. No, ever. I've never played them. And so I don't – like obviously they probably have their sources with coaches and how to scheme this. But I, it's going to be different. You might see a game that uh, maybe offenses explode, maybe defenses explode. I, I mean, it's kind of a weird situation, but if I had to pick a side, I'd take State. I just don't think Oregon's seen a defense like we I mean, our defense is pretty good, but I mean, it's head and shoulders above Pac-12 defense. And But I think at the same time, a Big 12 team is usually looked at a defensive, you know, liability kind of thing, but I don't think that was the Big 12 this year. You know, you had a team in Oklahoma State, Oklahoma's come into their own, Iowa State plays good defense, and you know, the Pac-12 was just kind of there all year. Nobody was really talking about them that much. Nobody was hyping up an offense or a defense. I mean, you talk about your USC, blah, crap. But Oregon handled them and handled them. And I this mean, isn't, they had it. This isn't an Oregon team with LaMichael no. James, Marcus Mariota. No, this under isn't this a offense doesn't team. scare me whatsoever. Anthony Thomas. Yeah, <laughs> shout out. Snyder stats, Thomas. give me a positive stat in Iowa State's favor. If I was going to bet on Iowa State, what would I want to hear? Uh, they're five and one against the spread in their last six. That's it. Games. That's all I need. <laughs> uh, I like Iowa State four and a half. I thought about even buying it up and taking them plus one fifteen at seven. I really like them in this game. I think they're going to come in with more energy. They want to be there. It's the biggest bowl game they've played in however many years, ever, 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 yes, yeah. ever, yeah. ever, ever. So give me Iowa State. Uh, I'm going to buy it up. Let's go to seven. I'm going to I'm going to go plus one fifteen. Iowa State nice. by seven. 
Uh, I really like wow. them. Oregon, not a very good football team. I think the Pac-12 is not very good this year. USC, overrated as can be. They get beat by the shit Oregon team. That gets beat by Cal, who is horrible. Give me Iowa State by a touchdown. Brees Hall has a day. If Brock, take, if Brock takes care of the, of the ball, there's no way that they don't cover the yeah. ball. Yeah, he throws. Uh, they don't cover the seven. Balance. It's seven. seven. We go by seven. Yeah, yeah, usually you buy points down. Buying them no, up oh, is no, buy ballsy. Up. <laughs> He's really got. That's a lock. That's, that's a lock right there. That's no, I wouldn't say it's a lock. But we're going <laughs> to ride it. Uh, okay, let's go to the Orange Bowl. Let's go Texas A&M, who is 8-1 and one and 5-4 and four against the spread, against North Carolina, who is 8-3, a three-loss team in the New Year's Six Bowls. And uh, they are 5-6 and six against the spread. A&M is a 7.5-point favorite. UNC is plus 225 on the money line, and the total is 65.5. Yeah, I mean, talk about a game that's interesting as well. I mean, we had our discussion last week on the fact that um, a couple three-loss teams are playing in a New Year's Six, North Carolina being one of them. I'm not sure if I like the fact that they are in this game, but I like the fact that they're seven and a half point dogs against this A&M team. Now I understand that A&M has pieces with Mond and Spiller, but there's a guy named Sam Howell that plays quarterback for North Carolina. Has been pretty damn good these last you know a couple years. Actually, he had a hell of a freshman year and he backed it up again this year. So the seven and a half is intriguing. I think I like the seven and a half with Carolina. The fact is, I don't know if A&M's defense is going to be stacked up enough, ready to rock against. An offense that has this and I'd have to see A&M kind of ramp it up on offense and kind of go out of their element of running the ball so much let Mond air it out against the North Carolina defense that's been exposed to everybody I think um, and so I like the seven and a hook for sure that hook is going to be beautiful if you get it there at that point so I like North Carolina in this one um, Sam Howell will just have a really good day and take care of the football and score a lot of points I actually have two plays in this game if I'm going to be Ooh. honest well first of all I like North Carolina. I like that pick for North Carolina. Mac Brown owns Texas A&M, going back to his Texas days. But I also like the over. These two offenses put up a lot of points. Obviously, North Carolina had a 62-burger on Miami a couple of weeks ago. A&M averages 32. UNC averages 43. Kellen Mond's only been sacked four times this year. He doesn't get touched very stat. much. And, I mean... North Carolina's defense isn't that good, so they're not going to really get to the quarterback that much. Sam Howell, sorry, he's thrown for over 300 yards this season, and North Carolina can run the ball. They have two 1,000-yard rushers. Here's a, actually, Reese, can I do a stat for you? Or do you have a, do you no, have, I, I have a stat. No, I didn't look any of this stuff up. Really. Okay. Bitch, trying to take I your job. Sorry, sorry, Reese. Here's game. a stat. The over's hit in five of the last seven of North Carolina's games. Yep. I think I might That's take That's because their defense is horrible. I think that... I just hope I don't run into a Texas A&M offense that's not going to score a lot of points like they did against LSU. Granted, that game was very rainy, very crappy weather. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm going to play the over, and I'm probably going to play North Carolina. Yeah, and that A&M team you know, has a defense that's ranked 11th because they only give up about 90 yards on the ground a game. But 2,000-yard rushers coming at them and a spread-em-out offense that has a lot of playmakers on the edge with a guy with a rocket arm. Um I mean, and A&M hasn't seen an offense like this since Florida, and they gave up 38 to them and 52 to Alabama. So, I mean, they've given up low point totals to offenses that have not been very good this year. So I like the simple fact that North Carolina's got um, their offense working for them, and the fact that A&M maybe not score as much I think is a bigger deal than maybe um, the liability of North Carolina's defense. Yeah, I'm going to jump on the train here with JP. I like North Carolina outright to win this game. I think A&M is a really overrated team. 
They're going to come out pissed off, but when the game settles in, I think North Carolina is going to put up a ton of points. They did this again as they were the underdog against, was it Miami? Yes, Miami. Yes. North Carolina beat Miami 62-20 to or something like that. Had an offensive outbreak. I think it happens again. They're going to come into this game. This is They shouldn't be here. I'm not saying they should be here, but they're going to prove why it's not a bad play for them to be in here. They're going to travel well. They're going to score a lot of points. Give me North Carolina outright at plus 225. Yeah, and I think this game's going to be fun to watch as well. I mean, we had a good bowl game a couple days ago. I think this will be another fun bowl game. Okay, before we jump into the college football playoff in-depth game picks and reactions, uh, let's go to our interview with Tyler Walje. I believe I'm saying that right. We'll find out. Uh, but let's jump to that, and then we'll come on back. Okay, now we welcome on a very special guest. It is Tyler Walji. He is a professional sports better. He is the, a co-host of the College Football Tailgate podcast. You can follow them on Twitter at CFB underscore pod. Tyler, welcome to the show. What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on. Okay, we want to start off, obviously, big game tonight, Texas, Colorado. He's also the host of the Buffs Nation podcast. Check that out on Twitter and give it a listen. Uh, we want to t- get your take on the game. What do you think happens? And is the Pac-12 for real? Are we going to see a good Pac-12 team tonight? Well, first off, I'm not so sure the Pac-12 is for real this year. There's a <laughs> lot of question marks going around in the Pac-12 right now. And I think CU's caught up in that. I mean, right now, if you look at total record, Colorado appears to be one of the better teams in the Pac-12. But the question is, how good is the Pac-12, right? How good is the top of it right now? But for tonight's game, I think CU's got a real good shot, a real good shot. You know, Texas this year, their losses have been close, man. This could be a 9-0 team if you really look at it. But I think this all comes down to motivation. And I'm sure we'll talk about this throughout today's show because the one place where I start for every college football bowl game is motivation. How much does Texas want to be here? On top of that, Colorado had made a bowl game since 2016 where they lost this very same bowl. They've got 22 players from the state of Texas. So I think CU shows up tonight. Now, not so sure, but I certainly think they keep it within the uh, seven and a half points. Okay. I think that's a good point, though. Like, we, I was talking about it, you know, kind of giving some of our listeners some tips for the bowl games and things like that. And it's, you know, there's a lot of value in an underdog in a bowl game um, with point spreads and things like that. And then motivation can rise on one side. Um, opt-outs for teams who maybe aren't as happy to be there, things like that. So I think that's a really good point with, you know, motivation and what you're seeing in a bowl game and in a team for sure. So, yeah, and you mentioned the yeah. opt-outs. I mean, look, look at Texas. They've got uh, three or four guys opting out for the NFL draft. And on top of that, they have, I think, two uh, uh, offensive linemen and three defensive linemen who, who are hurt, kind of nursing an injury. So there's a lot of question marks with who's even going to show up. And I think motivation plays a part in that. You know, if you're ready for this game, look at uh, Christian McCaffrey. I know it's a couple years ago, but they, he was going to play in the bowl game, going to play in the bowl game. Then Stanford gets pushed back and he doesn't play. So I think that matters a lot around the locker room, the feeling in the locker room, because what happens, I think, way too often is we see a couple players sit out and we want to say, eh, not a big deal. He's not worth that much. But it's not just the fact that that player's sitting out. It's what everyone else is talking about in the locker room, right? And it starts to bleed over and it becomes contagious. So we'll see, you know, how, how, how ready to go Texas is tonight. But something's telling me those Colorado Buffaloes are going to show up. So. <laughs> I was going to say, the line dropped so much. It was like 12 and a half. I think right now it's like sitting at seven, seven and a half. Even as a Colorado fan, what do you feel yeah. about that spread? 
Oh man, I thought it was going to go the other way. I I, I waited at first because it opened up like you said, close, close to the thirteen. And my, you know, my experience with Colorado, well, with sports betting, and you guys probably understand this too. Teams who are popular get more money. It's as simple as that. And so I figured when everyone across the country sees Texas versus Colorado, everyone's going to say Colorado. They're no good in the Pac-12. It's CU. Who knows about them? And then it's the Longhorns, right? Well, America's team or one of America's teams. So I thought <laughs> the line would go in the other direction and I'd get a little bit more value today. But based on what's happened, I mean, with the line, I don't put too much stock into it. I, I guess it's a little promising because what that means is a lot of people who, you know, may do this professionally or, or may uh, know what they're really talking about when it, when it comes to spending money in bowl games, they're all betting on Colorado. Not a whole lot of people are backing Texas right now. So that's promising. But like we mentioned in the beginning of this interview, you know, bowl season's weird. Some of these games become blowouts and that spread. I, I wish I had the stat in front of me. I don't have it exactly, but it's something like, 20 to 25 percent of bowl games actually uh, the spread actually matters right meaning that there's just a blowouts all over the place left and right so do i like it it's encouraging yeah definitely but i don't think it's going to have much impact on the game but I, I like to see it okay we're going to turn the page here really fast you've been on the wrong side of iowa state a couple of times <laughs> this year we have an <laughs> iowa state fan in the room i want to hear it out between the two of you what are your thoughts on Iowa State as a football team this year and where they're at? I Just before getting started, I just the episode of between you and Will in the Texas game on your guys' bet board, that was hilarious. That was probably my favorite <laughs> By the way, not biased, by the way. Well, look, look, I, I know that everyone, I'm probably the only one in the country who talks this way about Matt Campbell, but – I just feel like after a certain amount of we're praising this guy, oh, he's the best coach ever, oh, he's so good, I feel like I have to be the one to say, wait, is everyone watching the same thing I'm watching? This guy beats Oklahoma a couple times, and now we want him to be the coach of the New York Jets. <laughs> Let's take a breath here. I mean, I understand he's good, but is he that good? I'm sure I can come up with 25 other coaches in college football who could take over that Iowa State program and do just as well. So I want to be clear on this. I'm not an Iowa State hater. I just think I'm a realist. I just think I see things the way they're happening. Everyone's, oh, Matt Campbell, Iowa State. Hold on. Let's pump the brakes. So when it comes to this game, you know, I mean, I just – I don't trust Iowa State as much as, as most other teams. So, you know, I'm not backing them here. What is, it, what is the spread right now? Four? Four, four and a half. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not taking Iowa State here, man. I'm going the other direction. I, I, I just feel like I have to again. And, and I like, again, if Matt Campbell didn't get all this praise and everyone's saying, you know, how great this guy is all the time, I may actually you know, go the other direction and say, oh, you know, I, uh, this is a real team. They can do some damage. But since everyone's praise, 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 that makes me go the other direction. And on top of it, you know, Oregon, how much love are they getting? We talked about the Pac-12. We mentioned Colorado, USC. I think a lot of people are going to look at this game and say, gimme, gimme, gimme. Iowa State's only a four-point favorite. That, to me, that they kind of – it's weird, right? Sometimes when you get lines like this that don't make sense – and uh, as my co-host in College Football Weekly says often, this this reeks. Like this this line stinks. Yeah. This reeks. This seems like one of those situations to me. You know, I feel like Iowa State should maybe be a little heavier, even minus five, minus six. But because of everything, because of what I've said this whole year, 
how consistent would it be of me to take Iowa State here? So we're going Oregon. We're going the Ducks plus the four. Look, and I think with Oregon, they've had a couple losses this year that make people question how good they really are. Those were very close game. One, one a rivalry game on the road against Oregon State. So I think they have – and they proved us in the Pac-12 championship. They're not going anywhere. They're motivated. So I will take Oregon plus the four. It's scary. It's scary. But let's go Ducks. I was going to say, what do you say to defend Oregon for those that are maybe skeptical about him because of those losses? Small sample size. You know, those sure. two losses. If you have a – and this is the weird thing about the COVID season, you know. I don't know. And, and it's hard to exactly say what every – uh, coaching staff is saying, what every team is saying in the locker room. But I've just got a feeling that this year, and I don't want to make any excuses for Oregon, but I have a feeling that there were a lot of programs across the country this year who just didn't take things as seriously as they may normally have taken them. You know, the Pac-12, six games, only in conference. Again, I don't want to make an excuse, but to me it's easier just to kind of walk through some of those games. And Oregon was up a lot of points in both their losses. So, you know, I think that this is a much better team than they show on the stats. We haven't had enough games to see really how good or bad they are for those Oregon haters. But this is what it's all about. Bowl, bowl season comes down to motivation. And I think the Ducks have the talent and the motivation to show up in this game. Keep it within the four. Not for sure. Yeah, I think – so going back a little bit, so uh, – as an Iowa fan, obviously, Iowa State's not your I'm favorite. Sorry thing about that, man. No, you're good. Um, but we, like, looking back at it, you kind of sit in a situation as, like, an Iowa fan where the coach has been there for 21, 22 years, and you're seeing this Iowa State program not do very well for a very long time. And they, like, it's true, 100% no, true. No, I'm not but, like, <laughs> it's, it's Matt Campbell has come in and done something um, that I didn't think would be as quick as a flip as it is. And you said about 25 coaches throughout the country could do so. I think I'm kind of on the other end, even as an Iowa fan. I think there's something that he brings or something that he does within that program that has jump started it way faster than you would normally think. Now, I'm on this, I understand what you're saying, and I kind of like the idea of, you know, hit the brakes a little bit. Let's see what's going on, you know, kind of in the bigger picture. Like he's getting looks from everywhere, but he doesn't want to go anywhere right now. But I think that's very interesting to think about, like, you know, hit the brakes, look at this from a little broader perspective and understand maybe where that program is as a whole rather you know, than the last couple of years. And that's the thing, you know, you have to give him credit for what he's done. And, and, and like I said, you know, if everyone wasn't so, so up on this guy, I, you know, I probably would be praising him more. I just feel the need to do so, but I think it's tremendous what they've done. I mean, if you look at, I would say historically what they did in the, the big seven, then the big eight and the big 12, I mean, this is not a program that's really struck fear in, in, in the Oklahomas or what used to be the Nebraskas. And look what's happening now. I mean, they beat OU this year. They've had some good wins. And I, he's done – I think that one of the most underrated things he's done is find these little three stars that blossom and can really develop. And he's done a great job of that. And so, again, this guy knows – uh, a lot of football. This guy has connections. He's done very, very well. But to my, I guess my whole thing is everyone acts like he's the next Nick Saban. And, you know, the Big 12 has had up years and down years. The Big 12 has had up teams and down teams. And, uh, frankly, look at the Oklahoma-Iowa State uh, matchups this year, you know. They catch Oklahoma early in the season when I think Oklahoma was kind of still getting going. But then again, you're making an excuse for Oklahoma. Iowa State was just getting going too, right? So that was a, a good win. But, you know, again, 
I think he's good, not great. I think he's not quite yet to that elite level. Now, I may be proven wrong. Maybe he does this, wins the pack or wins the Big 12 for the next three years. Maybe he goes to the NFL and succeeds, you know? Because let's face it, with coaches, it's kind of like drafting a quarterback. You never really know what you're going to get. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, uh, yeah, I think you're exactly right, you know? Um, Iowa State, not a power program traditionally. He's turned them into one. And, uh, you know, he's, a like I said, good coach, not great. If he came to Colorado, I wouldn't complain. I wouldn't hate it, but I'd probably want to stop everyone else who's throwing a party about it, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We, we've talked about enough about my Cyclones. I don't <laughs> like all the talk and everything else. So, it's because it's home. It's yeah, true. Yeah. So moving <laughs> on to other New Year's Six Bowls, which one yes. is kind of your favorite? Which is your favorite line? Maybe that Oregon one was. You talk about mm. how many games are weird, but which one in your gut? And you're like, man, I really love this game. Oof, my favorite of the New York of the New York Six. The New York Six would probably be. I would probably go UNC plus seven and a half. Um, you know, we're going to talk a lot about motivation in these bowl games. And like we said earlier, and I guess it's a good time to touch on that right now. Motivation is the single most important thing for bowl games, right? Just for bowl games. Now, for the uh, the final four, not so much. We can expect max motivation from every team playing in that. But every other bowl game, you know, this year, next year, every year until things change, you should always start off handicapping bowl games. What's the motivation? And we've got two very polar opposite teams here. We've got a Texas A&M team who had a chance to be in the college football playoff. I mean, Jimbo Fisher was not very happy when those final rankings came out, and he made it known. And I don't blame him. They had one loss early in the season to number one Alabama. So they had a good resume. But all of a sudden, things come crashing down. Now they have to play in, uh, you know, some ragtag. Do you even know what bowl that is? Uh, This one's the Peach Bowl, isn't it? Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl? I believe it is. Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl. So, I mean, now they're falling down and have to play in the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl against a UNC team who really isn't that exciting if you're uh, if you're in the, Alabama, or in the A&M locker room. Now, if you ask me, I love UNC. I love Mac Brown. I love how their offense. I think they're exciting. But when you're Auburn or when you're A&M and you have a chance to go to the Final Four and play some of these elite teams, I don't think they're going to be very motivated at all. So if you can answer the question – What's the motivation for Texas A&M this game? You're going to have a very good idea how this is going to unfold. I think Texas A&M is not going to be too excited to show up, and I actually think they're going to be surprised by how prolific UNC's offense can be. I think UNC can move the football. I think they'll score points. And a lot of their losses this year, it was simply a high-scoring shootout. So I think North Carolina is going to get their points, and they may surprise Texas A&M. So you talk about a live underdog here. Watch out for Mac Brown and UNC to win this game, but I certainly think they keep it within seven and a half. Let's, let's build on that. A&M, obviously the fifth spot in the college football playoff they just missed. Rightfully so. I think they're wildly overrated. Do you think the college football playoff committee got it right again, or did they snub a maybe a group of five 9-0 Cincinnati team that deserved a shot? No, I think they 100% got it right. And here's the thing. I am never going to die on the hill when an undefeated Cincinnati or whether it's Liberty or UCF a couple years ago doesn't make it because I'm a fundamental believer that college football is, unfortunately, I love the sport, but right now it's a broken system. When you have as many teams as you do, and you can pretty much guarantee 
any team in the American Conference or the Sun Belt or even the Mountain West can go undefeated potentially and not have a chance to win the championship. I'm going, what kind of a sport is this? Like, what are we talking about here, right? So I'm not a very big proponent. And I agree. Like, teams like Coastal Carolina, Liberty, Cincinnati, BYU, I don't think they would stand a chance on the same field as even an Ohio State who's only played a couple games. So in terms of the competitive nature of the sport, what I think is right, I think they got it absolutely right. Now, I understand other fan bases. I mean, I'm a Colorado Buffaloes fan, right? And we – didn't even have a shot to play UNC this year. You know, I feel like CU always gets the the bad end of everything. And, you know, I don't know if CU would have been undefeated this year. Would they have gotten a chance in the Final Four? The answer is probably not, you know, because Ohio State's still undefeated. And so I understand where these fan bases are coming from. I understand the frustration, the anger, but – that's more of a product of how the sport is set up. Like if you ask me, I know this is a different topic for a different day. We'll go over this in the off season guys. <laughs> but if you ask me, this is a sport that needs another entire division. Like they need to cut half of these teams off and give them a legitimate shot to win a championship. When you have certain, certain teams or certain conferences where they may go undefeated and not make it, there's something wrong with the sport. So, again, I think the Final Four is correct. I think the playoff committee did a good job. I think Ohio State deserves to be in. If they didn't lose, put them in. We all know the tremendous talent they have, the NFL talent they have on that roster. So, I have no issue with it. But at the same time, I really have no problem with everyone being so upset who's a fan of Liberty, Coastal, Cincinnati, not getting a shot. But overall, do I think the committee got it right? Yeah, I do. Is it contradictory, though, to say that those teams might not stand a chance when you have a UCF team who makes a New Year's Six Bowl as an undefeated group of five team and beats the second or third best Auburn team? Does that kind of contradict that argument where those teams maybe could compete and win a game, or is that UCF team just different? No, see, that's, that's a great point, but that has more to do with – whoa, excuse me, guys. No worries. Um, that's actually a great point, but that to me has more to do with that motivation. When UCF played Auburn a couple years ago, Auburn, man, they wanted to be on the on the beach drinking Mai Tais. They wanted to be, you know, they, they didn't have any interest in playing that game. Uh, do you guys remember, uh, what was that, back in 2000? I know I'm going back here in like 2008, 2009, somewhere around there, where Alabama played Utah. Yes. This is before yeah. Utah was in, in the Pac-12. And Utah beats Alabama. Now, again, Utah, they had Urban Meyer at the time and Alex Smith and some talent. But my point is, it's all about motivation. So I don't give any credit to these games where, and I, maybe you guys can say, and maybe the, you know, your audience will say, that's not fair. I don't like the way you look at that, right? But the way I see things is if UCF played in a different conference with a different schedule, then you could give them more of a benefit of the doubt. But when they're getting these teams at the end of the season, players opting out, no motivation to be there, it's tough for me to say – Look at that one game. That's a reason why those teams deserve to be in. You know, I think if if you are, let's say Cincinnati, okay, Luke Fickle doesn't go anywhere. He stays at Cincinnati, signs a ten-year contract. He's a lifer, okay. What he needs to do if he's going to put his team in the conversation is go schedule three. SEC, Pac-12, Big Ten opponents in non-conference. Go play Ohio State. Go play Auburn. Go play 
play USC. Then, if they go undefeated, they've done everything they can playing these tough teams. What happens, though, and this is a weird year, but typically a Cincinnati or one of these teams, they'll play, you know, peanut butter and jelly tech three times in a row, go undefeated in conference, and then we want to put them in the, in, the, in, the, in the final four. To me, you've got to do more during the season. So if you are Cincinnati or Coastal or whoever, go schedule these Power Five conferences, non-conference, and prove to everyone you can beat those teams. In the regular season, not in the yeah. bowl game. Do you ever think maybe – uh, like kind of with that idea, you have a Cincinnati trying to get a game or maybe like a Coastal or somebody like that, and they're trying to get a Power 5 game. Say they're trying to play a Big Ten school in like Indiana or Wisconsin, and Wisconsin or Indiana doesn't want to play that game with a threat of if we lose this game, we kind of burn our chances now. Like maybe, you know, Indiana thinks they're going to have a big year next year and they're trying to get on the schedule with Cincinnati. What if Cincinnati wants to play them and Indiana's like, you know, maybe we just want to play – Stephen F. Austin or something like that, and just keep that way. That's the downside of the sport, man. That's the downside of college football. That's what I don't like. And if it actually goes over to college basketball, if you look at college football and college basketball, man, these coaches have a lot of power. They have a lot of power. They dictate who they play when they play them. I mean, have you ever noticed, not to rag on Nick Saban, the go, right? The greatest of all time. But you ever notice whenever he plays a tough non-conference opponent, it's either in Tuscaloosa or neutral field. He's never going to their stadium. Like, these coaches have – a lot of power and so to me again that's just it that's that's tough that's the way the sport works unfortunately you know i mean i would like it if it were more concrete or you could have more ability to dictate how things went if you were the coach of coastal or cincinnati or something like this but unfortunately if luke fickle reaches out to you uh, usc and ohio state or you know uh, uh, and an auburn or an a&m next year and they all don't want to play him I guess what you do then is you make it public and you make it known and you, and you pound the table and say, we wanted to play these teams. We did everything we could, you know, because right now the perception is that they're skating by beating yeah. easy teams and then getting themselves in the conversation. So unfortunately that's just one of the downsides of how things work and how much power these coaches have. Now, hopefully you would want to get some sort of a Lane Kiffin it'll miss or something like that to say yes. But unfortunately that's just the way things go. Kind of moving back into the playoff conversation. What are we going to expect out of these games? We got, I mean, obviously everybody knows of the huge spread, Alabama over Notre Dame. And then I think a lot of people are believing that Clemson's probably going to boat race or get a two-score game out of Ohio State. What is kind of your input on what to expect out of this week's playoff games? So we can start with Alabama-Notre Dame. Uh, I think that this one to me is pretty, uh, it's interesting because you see this huge spread. Right now I think it's 19 and a half points uh, Alabama's favored by. And in college football, I start here, in college football, margin matters, right? That's why when you get a big spread in college football, I don't have as much of an issue laying 14 or 20 with some team because margin matters, right? When you get a 14-point spread in the NFL, you almost have to get lucky to cover that margin because it's not as important. College football, these, these coaches understand. Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban, Ryan Day, they get that margin is very important. And so during this regular season, Nick Saban knows that. They're going into these games ready to win 75 to zero. You know, I mean, if they're not crying on the sidelines, there's some, there's an issue, you know, according to Nick Saban's game plan, they want to just drive them into the ground and prove how good Alabama can be. Well, the only issue with that is the market or Vegas or however you guys want to define the people making the lines, they get used to this. And they get used to Alabama showing up and doing this every single week. So, enter the playoffs now we're now we're to a playoff stage 
what happens now is the market has been so used to bumping up Alabama, giving them this extra boost because they naturally need the, the margin. Well, there's a very fundamental difference in, in, in these playoff games. Margin doesn't matter. You just have to win and you advance to the next round. So I think Alabama is actually heavily overvalued in this game. Now, we all know Alabama is the best team in the country. I'm going to say it right now. They're probably by far the best team in the country. I think if Alabama and Clemson both win, Alabama may be a three-point favorite, which to me is pretty uh, it's a pretty healthy spread. You know, a, t- a field goal is pretty good for two teams who are perceived to be right there at the top of the of the uh, you know in the nation, the top two teams. So Alabama right now, I'm not saying this team is. Uh, right. Let's be careful here. It's Nick Saban. It's Alabama. They're elite. They're very, very good. But when you put them in a situation like this against a underrated Notre Dame team, I mean, people have not given Notre Dame any credit all year long. This is a good football team. I think Notre Dame keeps this close. And to me, the, the one most, most kind of overlooked aspect in this whole game is Notre Dame's defense because they're going to show up. And I think they're going to be very physical at the point of attack and slow Alabama down at least enough to stay within this 19 and a half point spread. So to me, again, the main thing is during the regular season, you need margin. Alabama gets margin because they need it. And the playoff game, that goes out the window. I think the, the motivation to get over that hump and to keep pouring it on goes out the window. Nick Saban likes Brian Kelly. He loves what he's building over there at, at Notre Dame. He doesn't want to send him out with a 45-0 to loss. I think this is going to be closer than a lot of people think. And I'm actually taking Notre Dame here uh, plus the 19.5 points. So that, That's now, where you get these sketchy lines when it gets late in the season and these games, it doesn't really matter what the score is. It just matters whether or not you win the game. When the numbers get high like that to 20, if they're up by 17 with a minute left, they're not going to try and drive the ball and score to make a statement like we should be in the college football playoff. Then it becomes, let's take a knee, let's run the clock out, and then all of a sudden you have a cover. So I understand That's that exactly point. Of view. Right. That's exactly right. In the regular season, you get that ball with a minute or two left, up 17, you go score, you go win by 24. In these yeah. playoffs, it doesn't matter, right? And on the other side, just to build on that, it's not just that the coaches take their foot off the gas in terms of the X's and O's. They may sit some starters. They may say, we're up X amount of points. You sit down for the last drive or two drives or however many it is. So there's a lot of factors that are weighed in there. But the main thing is, you know, there's just not near the need to run the score up. So we'll go ahead and take Notre Dame plus 19 and a half in the first game. On to the second game, Clemson-Ohio State. You know, this is funny because the one thing you guys uh, – well, you guys – a show i'm sure you're unaware of this but a lot of your audience or you know the average college football fan they may not understand how important defense is in these college football playoffs right we all think about the offense especially last year right joe brady the offensive pass coordinator uh, 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 uh joe burrow how great that lsu offense was but did you know that when you go back and look every champ the last seven years has had a top 25 team in terms of yards per play allowed And I think yards per play is a very, very, very telling stat for how good a football team is over the course of the season. That's why you need a good six, seven games to evaluate yards per play. But YPP, yards per play, is a great stat. And if you go back and look the last seven years, every champion has been top 25 in yards per play. So let's look at this year's final four in terms of yards per play, given up, right? Clemson is number five. 
Alabama, number 19. So they both fit into that category of top 25 yards per play. Now, Notre Dame is 33rd, but I want to be careful because Notre Dame was also top 25 before they played Clemson last week or whenever that was a couple weeks ago and lost. So arguably, Notre Dame, Clemson, Bama, all right there hovering around the top 25 in terms of yards per play given up. Ohio State is 43rd. This is by far the worst defense in terms of yards per play that we've seen in, in the playoffs pretty much since it's got going. And Clemson, on the other hand, they've got a real case, not to get margin in this game, but to prove that they do belong in this conversation. And I think everything kind of comes down to Dabo Sweeney, because I don't think there's too many people who would say Clemson doesn't deserve to be in here, right? But did you guys see the, the article this week where Dabo Sweeney rated Ohio State the 11th best yeah. team in the yeah. country? Yeah. Yeah, he's saying I didn't put any teams who didn't play a certain amount of games in the top 10. This is a professional troll, my guys. This is a professional troll. He knows what he's doing, right? And I highly doubt, and this is just me knowing Davo Sweeney and Brett Venables and that team, what they do in these situations. They, they don't even have to, I think, want to rub it in or want to prove that Ohio State's number 11. I think all things given, Clemson has a big, big advantage when they have the football, right? So I think Clemson will put the points up. I think Ohio State, given their, their track record this year, they're leaky on defense, right? And when Ohio State has the football, one of my main concerns this year has been, who are these guys? Everyone playing for Ohio State this year is a backup or a, some freshman or some sophomore because they've had guys out from COVID and opt-outs and contact tracing. I think they played the, the Big Ten Championship without 23 guys, something like that. And so for me, it's about reps with Ohio State. I understand you could have the best talent in the world. No one's going to question the talent that Ohio State has, right? I mean, how many five-star guys do they get every season? But when you can't play and when you get no reps, it, it, it matters. And then on the other side, you get a Clemson team who has reps and they've been healthy for a lot of the year and their coaching staff is like a bunch of rabid dogs. I don't think this is a combination for Ohio State to keep things close. And I think that Ohio State loses by 14 points this game. I like Clemson minus seven and a half. The one thing that scares me is the half point, right? Minus seven yeah, and a yeah. half. Right? Exactly. But still, I'll take Clemson in this situation. I think they cover the spread. I think that's a great point with Ohio State's defense. We were talking, you know, earlier on the last couple of weeks, Ohio State's secondary had been picked apart a ton and not in just games against like Indiana. There are other situations where they gave up a lot of yards through the air. Now you're going against arguably the best quarterback in the country. And within the last five years, he might, you know, overall be seen better as Joe Burrow. So I think you're going up a Trevor Lawrence kid who is talented in ways we haven't seen in a long time. That's a big question mark for me to even think about laying anything with Ohio State. No, I think you're exactly right. You know, this isn't just all the motivation and things we talked about and, and how good, you know, these teams are on defense and yards per play. It's just the X's and O's. And I'm not sure it matches up so well in Ohio State's favor. I think Clemson gets their way on offense, makes Justin Fields uncomfortable on defense. And can we talk – can we quickly just mention Justin Fields? I mean, this guy – looked at as being maybe the best quarterback right to start the season it was is it going to be Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence for the number one overall pick and he is falling fast here so I don't know and again it's not I don't think it's anything he can control I don't think Justin Fields says oh no let's write the ship and look great all of a sudden I think that people are starting to understand maybe this isn't the quarterback we thought he was and you want to add on top of it Dwayne Haskins now struggling yeah. you know he's coming from that same system it's not a good look right now for Ohio State quarterbacks yeah and I think I think a quality I kind of differ between the two of them is I feel like Trevor Lawrence is a guy who can take 
maybe your average receiver and make him great. Like a, like an Aaron Rodgers, right? You know, you got yeah. maybe not as the weapons other people have in the NFL. Or, and I think Trevor Lawrence has that capability. Does Justin Fields have that capability? I don't think so. I think he's blessed with a lot of talent around him. Now he's very talented, obviously, with where he came from, where he was, um, and where he is now. But this year I just haven't seen the same kid that I saw the year before where he threw – kind of a lot of balls that I'm questioning when it's going on. He doesn't look as comfortable. He kind of looks sporadic. And maybe oh, yeah. that's the reps thing you were talking about. No, absolutely. I think that matters a lot. But also look at let's, – let's look at uh, what happened with Clemson this year when Trevor Lawrence got injured. I mean, they go and they lose to Notre Dame, take triple overtime. They, they did not look like the same team, right? Now I'm going out on a limb here. This is a hunch. But I would guess that if Justin Fields got hurt, it's not going to be the same – discrepancy in terms of how good they were and how much they dropped off. I think Ohio State would maybe take a half step back, but they would be just fine. That offense would pick up where they left off and they'd keep going. So I think you're exactly right. I think it's more about what's around Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence makes things happen for himself. Absolutely. Yeah. And you talked about weapons. I think if Ohio State wants to stand a chance in this game, they need another big game out of Trey Sermon. I mean, rushing for what was it? 250 plus yards last week against the, Decent uh, n- uh, Northwestern defense. A good Northwestern defense. Okay, okay. We'll say we'll fight. We'll say good. But yeah, I think he's definitely going to need some help, and hopefully, he gets most of his receivers back. Yeah, I mean that's going to be a big part of it. You know, you want him to be. Look, I. You don't ever cheer against it now. If I have certain money against the team, yeah. we may cheer against. But in this situation, you know, you want him to show up and you want him to be as healthy as they can and, and things like that. But I just don't know how much it's going to matter for, again, getting back to the reps. If you haven't had the reps this season, you can have all the talent in the world, but it may not matter. Right. All right. Well, unless you guys have any college football questions, I know that the season's over. I'm good. I'm tapped out. We talked about everything. Uh, I was no, saying, yeah, I'm I'm happy we went in the direction we did. We didn't go as much maybe into like lines and things like that, but we got a different perspective, you know, for things that are very important. So I really liked how this went. I was just going to say, sadly, uh, the season's over in a week. So what's kind of your point? Like as far as betting's concerned, are you going to move into another sport? Do you like another sport to bet on or is college football kind of just your main thing? No. So actually uh, my best sports are NHL and, that's uh, me. That's JP and I. That's JP and I. College okay. football and NHL yeah. are our favorites to bet. <laughs> that's great, man. You guys may not like this answer as much, but I, uh, I'm pretty good betting uh, English soccer. <laughs> and so, um, those, yeah. So those are actually my two main sports. My most profitable sports, actually, the second, di- the second tier. In English soccer, it's called the EFL Championship. But either way, I've got plenty. You know, I, those are my main sports. I make most of my money on uh, hockey, English soccer, and college football. So once the year's over, we turn the page, focus a lot on the NHL. And, you know, there's a lot of off-season work. You know, we have to follow recruiting very closely for college football. you got to f- follow coaching changes, see how all that impacts these teams. Because right now, if you look at, let's say, a power rating for, I don't know, Alabama. It doesn't matter. Alabama, Ole Miss, Kentucky, UNC, any of these teams, right? Power ratings change week to week. So imagine what they do in the course of an offseason. So you really have to stay up to date with what's going on with these teams. There's a lot of uh, a lot of Twitter. You're staying on seeing what these kids are saying on Twitter. Um, you know, uh, uh, what's going on with the freshmen, the sophomores. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done in the offseason. A lot of people think that sports betting, it comes, you know, during the actual week. And while there is, you know, several, several hours of work per day to keep up and, and make lines, things like that. 
the majority of work comes during the offseason. There's a lot to keep up with and a lot to adjust. So I'll be busy this offseason betting hockey, of course, but also prepping for college football and seeing what changes and seeing what this crazy coaching carousel gives us this year and just kind of following things. So, Yeah, we touched on a lot. We appreciate you joining the show, Tyler. Remember to tune into the College Football Tailgate podcast. Follow that page at CFB underscore pod. We'll definitely have Tyler back on hopefully later in the year to talk about hockey. We love hockey here as well. Almost time to start betting that, but we appreciate you coming on and talking about college football with us, and uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. Appreciate it, guys. Okay, we want to say thank you to Tyler again for joining the show. Um, let's jump into the college football playoff games. Let's go to the Rose Bowl first, the four-seeded Notre Dame Fighting Irish against the number one Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama is a 20-point favorite as they sit at 11-0 and 8-3 and against the spread. Obviously, Notre Dame is a 20-point dog, and they're 10-1 and and 5-6 and against the spread. If you're betting Notre Dame to win the game, they're plus 725, and the overall like is 66. I it's kind of low, I'm be honest. They feel like they should be bigger. There was a video of a lady out there. I don't know who it was, but she was a Notre Dame fan, oh, and she watched that. them get pinned and play out. <laughs> she goes, oh, no, no, oh, no. <laughs> She's right, because Notre Dame, I think, gets whacked Give here. Give me Bama. Yeah, give me Bama. What's the picks over there? Death, Texas. Alabama beat Notre Dame by a ton. Um, but seriously, uh, I think Alabama's given off vibes, I've said it before, of being LSU last year where that team's just that good. Um, they were good on both sides of the ball. They have six AP All-Americans already. I mean, that is incredible. That's a lot of guys that are, you know, All-Americans and stuff like that. 8-3 um, ATS is a number that I don't take lightly. And they've been a lot of big spreads. It's not like they're winning games on three-point favorites. And they were like 7-0 and against the spread before mm-hmm. the SEC title game, yeah. like in seven in a row. Yeah, and this is not a Florida offense. I mean, Ian Book's been solid. I've had my moment where I said, Ian Book, you better step up. Uh, he did, and then he didn't. And so I think Notre Dame is 5-6 and six, ATS. I just don't see um, a situation where Notre Dame hangs around in this game unless Mac Jones has a meltdown, uh, unless that defense absolutely melts down completely. I just don't – I think Nick Saban in a bowl game is a scary thing to bet against. So I would lay the 20. I, I give my respect for the Irish. They played a good season. They had their wins. They did what they needed to do outside the ACC title game with a Trevor Lawrence that is obviously 20 points better than that spread that we were talking about beforehand. Um, but, yeah, I'd lay the 20 here, and I'd take Nick Saban because the guy's an animal, and I don't like betting against him. Man, Notre Dame. <laughs> Notre Dame. I've tried to stick up for you guys. I know Trevor Lawrence was playing last week, but guess what? Trevor Lawrence wasn't playing defense, and you still only scored three points. I mean, you actually, we want to talk about home games, like I mentioned before with Oklahoma. Alabama loves playing in Cowboy Stadium. I think they're 5-0 and since the stadium's been built. Notre Dame is not going to stop the three-hitting monster of Mac Jones, Devontae Smith, and Najee Harris. And, man, I know that Alabama's defense looked bad last week. But guess whose offense didn't look good last week? Ian Book and Notre Dame. They're just too slow. Oh, I feel bad. This is actually, this might get ugly. I don't know if I'm going to watch this very much. I want it to get ugly because <laughs> I'm laying Bama 20 and a half. Reese, tell me a good stat for Bama. Uh, they are 7-0 against the spread after a spread loss. That is the exact stat I had written <laughs> down. I fucking love that stat. <laughs> Give me Bama by 20. I love it. I hate Notre Dame. Fuck you, Notre Dame. You didn't cover for me all year long. Bama's going to roll here. Uh, roll Tide? Reese, you, you, would you bet? I would, I would roll Tide. I got something that will just make me feel better, too, is 
Notre Dame, uh, 21st ranked defense. They give up 225 yards a game in the air. Bama averages over 350 yards. Oh, yeah. a game they love to let Mac it. Mac Jones have a field day, young man. But isn't it crazy that the offense feels so balanced with the fact that they put up 350 yards in the air? Like, yeah. isn't that crazy? Mac Jones have a like field that, day out there. That is something people dream of having, and they have a great back, and they have a great receiver, and they got a quarterback that wasn't a name brand until this year, even though people knew he had potential. So I mean I just that's a coach's dream to have an offense so balanced, but you're so high powered at the same time. I think Harris is kind of part of that reason. I mean, you look back and how many of their deep balls have been play actions because everybody's so focused on Harris, but then Smith is that dude. They're all they always have godly speed. Yeah. I mean, he's like he's like Jerry Judy. I mean, he, yeah. they're literally like night and day, um, kind of like the same thing. Not night and day. That would be a bad reference, wouldn't it? Night and day because. If they're the same thing, night day different. They're night and night. Yeah. They're, they're, night. Night. <laughs> they're the same thing. They're the same thing. Bama's good at football. Yeah. That's, what do you want me to say? Touchdown <laughs> Jesus is going to need to say an extra yeah. prayer for Notre Dame. I'm just saying. What was the over-under at? 66. 66. Okay, 66. I guess also, Stadio, if you don't want to go straight up on the spread, under is 4-0 in Bama's last four semifinal games. You feel like it's going to be like a... 45 or 49 to nothing. Yeah, that's what I'm that's what I'm feeling. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of Bama and not a whole lot of uh, Notre Dame. So we love that. That means they cover. Um, (laughs) I love the spreads on both college football playoff games. Let's jump to the other one the Allstate Sugar Bowl. Is it Allstate? Yep, okay, good. That's right. Ohio State and Clemson. Clemson is a seven and a half point favorite. Ohio State plus 250 on the money line. The total is 66 and a half. Ohio State is six and oh. Three and three against the spread. Clemson is ten and one and five and six against the spread. What's to play? I mean, this is a situation where I just want to watch the game. I don't know if I'm going to touch it. Um, Ohio State, congrats! You got here on some crazy things that needed to go your way with money and all whatever reasons. But I mean, you're here and you're playing a Clemson team that is better than the team that beat you last year. Um, and you're, I don't believe you're as good as you were last year. And I think you have a lot on your shoulders with the fact that. People bent a lot of rules to get you to the spot. Um, seven and a half is, I think, I think that might go up to eight before the game kicks. Um, I, I feel would, like that's the one game that hasn't moved a lot, though, as far as the line yeah, is concerned. for sure. But I, I can also see a situation where um, maybe this game is just absolutely one-sided. But I like Trevor Lawrence too much, and I like Dabble Sweeney too much to go the other way. Um, but I'm not confident in the seven and a half, so I'd probably stay away from this for sure. But I can definitely see this being one-sided. Well, here's the deal. From the rematch last year, Ohio State has been worse. And I think this Clemson team is probably better than the Clemson team last year, yeah. if I'm going to be completely honest. Trevor Lawrence is 34-1 and as a starter. The one team he lost to, we could probably all talk about, that might be one of the greatest college football teams of all time. So that's really not a big knock on him. And as far as Ohio State's concerned, their best win was against Indiana. And I understand that... Indiana's a good football team, but they're not Clemson. And to be honest with you, Michael Penix tore apart that Ohio State secondary. And again, Michael Penix is not Trevor Lawrence. Clemson is 4-0 all-time versus Ohio State. I think I'm going to buy this down with my lovely draft draft kings. Sorry. Draft kings. I'm going to buy it down to 7, maybe 6.5. And And, uh, yeah, easily. I think give me Clemson. Give me Clemson. I'm going down to, I'm going to 7 Clemson, I'm putting two or three units on this. I think they blow Ohio State out. Their defense is not that good. 
Um, Clemson's defense showed out last week. They showed you what they can do. They gave up a lot of points to Notre Dame early in the year, and then when it mattered, they bared down, only give up 10. Give me Clemson by three, maybe four touchdowns. Oh. Whoa. I, I think Ohio State gets rolled here. Like Clemson's rolling. Points. Yeah. Clemson is rolling teams. Give me Clemson. Give me Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne to have a massive day. Um, sorry, Bucks. Sorry, Big Ten. But we're just that. It's just not there. Clemson is just that good of a football team. And when you look back at Ryan Day, just had an interview how long ago, or he's still talking about how grateful to, how, how grateful they are to get in. They're talking about how this is going to be their seventh game, and they're still, they're still trying to figure stuff out. They're like halfway through the regular out. season. <laughs> and Clemson's playing the best football they've played all year. They just absolutely rolled a Notre Dame team. Yeah. And then also, uh, Ohio State's 1-5 against the spread for ACC schools. They're also 0-4 this year against the spread against winning teams. So I think I'm looking to lay some money on somebody. I'd say go for the Tigers. I already uh, They already came out with a line for that uh, Clemson-Alabama game, actually. It's like 3.5 Alabama. Which, I mean, that would be, be a great, great football game. game to watch. Um, yeah, that's what we both think. That's what we all think it's going to be. Clemson, yeah. Bama. Clemson. Yeah. Clemson, Bama. And I don't think these two games will even be close. Clemson, yeah, me Bama neither. Give me Clemson. Okay, new segment time. We're doing quick picks. I'm going to read off a bowl game. I'll read off what game it is, what the line is, what the money line is in favor of, for the dog, I should say, and the total. They're all going to go around. They're going to give me their fastest pick with no explanation. You can use them if you want. Obviously, we've looked at every game. We've put some sort of thought into it. These aren't just willy-nilly, but it is going to be quick. Let's start with the Mayo Bowl. Wisconsin and Wake Forest. Wisconsin, 7.5-point favorite. Wake Forest, plus 250 on the money line. Total's 51.5. JP, go. Wake. Wake Forest. Wake Forest, Tim Duncan. Woo, Wake Forest. <laughs> uh, we lost on them last two weeks ago. Uh, I would lay Wisconsin. Uh, no, I'd play the under. 51.5, under. Mississippi State, Tulsa. Tulsa, 2.5 point favorite. Mississippi State, plus 115 on the money line. And the total is 46.5. Go. Tulsa and under. Give me Will Scott's snake team, Tulsa. Give me the over. Give me Tulsa. That actually might be the lock of the lock of the lock of the year. Give me Tulsa. Uh, I think they roll a lot meaning a lot more meaningful game for them. Armed Forces Bowl. Ball State, San Jose State, the Arizona Bowl. 9.5 uh, point favorites. San Jose State is plus 280 on the money line for Ball State, and it's a 64 total. What's it play? Ball State, go cards. Leaning Ball State might buy down San Jose State. Let's go, Birds. Yep, cards plus nine and a half. That's my play as well. The Liberty Bowl, West Virginia, seven point favorite against Army. Army plus 220 on the money line. The total is 41 and a half. Army money line. Under. Beat Navy. <laughs> Army. Uh, I'll take West Virginia by seven. Arkansas, TCU in the Texas Bowl, home game for TCU, kind of. Uh, four and a half point favorites TCU is. Arkansas plus 165, total is 57. Frogs. Go Frogs. I don't. I hate going against Rakeem Boyd, but let's go Frogs. Let's go Frogs. <laughs> Unanimous decision there. <laughs> Auburn, Northwestern in the Citrus Bowl. Northwestern, three and a half point favorite. Auburn plus 145 in the money line, total is 43 and a half. Cats. Mm, I think Auburn. I'll take the nerds. Give me the under. <laughs> Ole Miss, Indiana, and the Outback Bowl. Uh, Indiana's taking Iowa spot this year, I guess. Indiana, eight-point favorites. <laughs> Ole Miss, plus 255, and the total is 65-and-a-half. Go. Ole Miss, plus a seven. Mm, Ole Miss, plus a seven as well. Give me Indiana. I'll take Ole Miss, plus eight. I don't know why they said seven. I said eight. Give me Ole Miss, plus eight. Okay. That was quick. That was had it been less than two minutes. We just gave you seven picks. That's money. That's money. They're all money. 
or just put them in the Bigot app where you don't have to wager real money and see how they go. Okay, now we're going to jump to college basketball or the NBA. Let's go to Hoops Hot. You're all going to go around, tell me a Hoops team that's hot, why they're hot, what their against the spread record is, and give the listeners a winner for the next two or three games. Who's hot right now in Hoops? Schaefer, I want you to go first. Okay, I'll probably start. I'll give you an NBA who's hot team right now. Who's hot? The Cleveland Cavaliers. I know you probably wouldn't expect that since LeBron left, but really with the backcourt of Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, who's averaging 27 a game, this team has surprisingly off to a 3-0 start and they're second in the standings. Now, does that mean anything in an NBA regular season? No, they'll fall apart eventually, but they got the Knicks coming up and they got a big game coming up after that. They had a surprising win against the Sixers last week and they're 3-0 against the spread. And then an obvious pick in college basketball, but I don't how you, I don't know how you can't say they are the hottest team in basketball. He's giving you two hot teams. Gonzaga. Gonzaga is the hottest team in college basketball right now. They are scoring at will. They have scored 90 points and above every single game, except for West Virginia. They still scored 87. They come off a very, very, very impressive win against Tony Bennett's Cavaliers, uh, winning by tw- uh, 23. So they might be the number one team in the country, but they are the hottest team in the country. I'll go to mine. I'm very excited about this. So, <laughs> this is this is the Drake Bulldogs for me. Oh god! I knew right. it. The five one five dogs. All right, the boys. Boomer. The boys from Des Moines. You figured it out. JP loves the state of Iowa. <laughs> listen, listen, eleven and 0, 9 and zero ATS. They have won five consecutive bets for me. I am absolutely in love with this team right now. Yeah, Reese jumped on today. Um, and quite a, quite a nail biter. I mean, we were looking at that one pretty tough. Um, they played Indiana State today as four and a half point favorites, one by seven. Played them the day before. The worst broadcast yeah, sucked. Yeah, but they had um, Indiana State the night before as two and a half point favorites, one by twenty. This Drake team's a real deal. They're playing really well. Nine and zero ATS. It's a lot of fun to watch this team play as well. So the five one five dogs for me. Oh, for, question: Why do they? If they played eleven games, why are they only nine and zero? Uh, they played St. Ambrose and another oh, D. Yeah, another D. Eleven and zero. Drake is. No, they're eleven and zero win loss or nine and zero ATS. There wasn't any spreads Ooh. on the Ambrose in the other game that they had. So um, they but probably undefeated. covered there too, though. Yeah, yeah no, I, mean, I think they played St. Ambrose. They probably covered. I think by, they won by fifty. That's they have to. But five one five dogs. Look at the train. The Bulldogs are running right now. Okay, for my hoops hot team, I'm jumping to the MAC. Give me Kent State. They're three and zero against the spread. They were twenty one and a half point dogs to Virginia. Only lost that game on the road by seven. Favorites in their last two games by single digits, and they won both games by twenty or more. The Kent State Golden Flashes are rolling right now. Look out for Kent State on the Maction basketball court. Uh, I'm gonna go with one people probably aren't gonna think of or think of them or know of that often. Yeah. The uh, Grand Canyon Antelopes. They're 7-0 against the spread this year. They're only 4-3 and overall. Um, last game they covered by the skin of their teeth. Uh, they lost by 10, but they were 10.5-point dogs. So they covered. Go Lopes. Go Lopes. Some way or another. There's um, a lot of value in um, non-Power 5 college basketball, by the way, if you haven't figured that out yet. Probably more value than college, Power 5 college basketball. Power 5 college basketball is one of the hardest things to bet. I was say go back and listen to our Will Scott interview. If you mm-hmm. haven't, he definitely explains why. His team to go to was the Gardner Webb Running Bulldogs. <laughs> hey, power five basketball is not the answer if you're looking for money. 
Listen to those teams. Those teams are very good. They're cover machines. Let's hope they keep it rolling. We'll have another Hoops Hot team for you next week. Uh, could be the same team, but they keep rolling. Reese, what do you got? You're leaning in. No. Uh, oh. I was going to say, if you're not too comfortable placing money on college basketball yet, just uh, do what I'm doing. Just download Bigot. Go on there. Place some uh, coins on some bets. Figure out who's good. Figure yep. out who works for you, what's not good. Get yourself some coin that way. Yep. And front of the episode is going to have an intro and a little ad for them. Um, with the code to get in our betting league, as well as a thousand free coin code. Win three nine three is the code to get into our betting league. You can track our picks. We can track yours. We want to see. We want to see where you're at in the rankings. Uh, it's led right now by JP and I. Uh, we have the best records, and then there is a teammate of ours or a friend, Aiden Bishop. Shout out to Aiden Bishop for leading the. Uh, at the top of the leaderboard after the first week on Bigot, we appreciate you guys downloading that app. Use it. It is the number one sports fan app for social media. You do not have to wager real money. We love the Bigot app. Schaefer, you love the Bigot app? I do, and I want, I'm want. i talking to you listeners. I want somebody to download the Bigot app and challenge me, play me in a bet. Yeah, exactly. I think that's one of the yeah, coolest things about that's it. That's one so of the best parts of the app. Basically, you're betting against the house. Everything is plus 100, so you, it's just for your money back. Um, but... Looking at it, you know, you can pick a game and then bet your friend. So you say you want 50 coins on this spread, but he likes the other side. Just bet your friend. And then if you win, you take his coins. I mean, that's that's What's fun. That's competition that? right there. Yeah, we love comp- competition. We love competing, and we love beating your ass. <laughs> so come on the Bigot app, and let's have some fun. We appreciate those guys. We appreciate you joining us. Let's have a great week. This is the second edition of College Bowl Week. For the It's Just Money podcast presented by Bigot. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next year. Deuces. Love you, Mom.